0: Log Talk
1: Radio. I Stroll
0: through the pictures, what I've left behind. Here once again.
1: I'm
2: locked up in memories
0: They all intertwine The memories living In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that zone will come You will never know
3: what done. Well, good evening, world. Uh, I would like to welcome you to the Stop Child Abuse Now Talk Radio Show, sponsored by NASCA, the National Association for Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. Tonight is Monday, December fifth, two thousand twenty-two. My name is Penelope Bennis. I'm also an adult survivor of child abuse. I am here in Seattle, Washington. Uh, With me is my amazing uh, co-host, Victoria Kelly, another NASCA family member, as you know. We have an incredible show this evening, and tonight is special guest night. We have the one and only and our brother in NASCA, John Anderson, here to tell his story. A little bit more about John in a moment, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about NASA and NASCA's very, very important mission. Uh, we encourage you to call in and be a part of our panel tonight. No experience necessary, just you know, an interest and a curiosity. Um, and also, uh, if you wish to interact with John, our special guest, and ask him a question about his story, uh, you are more than welcome to join. Please call in at area code 646. 595-2118 and my co-host Victoria will meet you on our back line and welcome you into the show. Um, and as I said, all are welcome and it's just a simple phone call. Area code 646-595-2118. NASCA does some absolutely incredible work and as you may or may not be aware, NASCA is all about child abuse trauma prevention, intervention, and recovery. We have a single purpose at NASCA, and it's to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional Mm trauma and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. The first goal, educating the public on this topic, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic, worldwide problem that affects everyone. The second goal is offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested, and the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. The number to call in and participate in our panel tonight is area code 646-595-2118. I'd like to talk to you a little bit more about our special guest, John um, Anderson. And as I mentioned, he's just a longtime volunteer and NASA family member. He's from River Ridge, Louisiana. He's a child abuse survivor. He's an activist and a volunteer in many other respects regarding this topic. And to quote John, if you don't know his story, it's profound. Uh, his abuse started at the age of nine at St. Matthew in River Ridge, Louisiana, Louisiana. His abuse continued for three weeks in class, in front of other students, threatened, scared. His friends actually saw his perpetrator, Brignac, I'm going to spell Brignac's name, B-R-I-G-N-A-C, abusing him, with their own eyes, and so did many other students. It took the help of one of the witnesses to tell his parents, because John could not, which we know is very difficult to acknowledge to your parents, this has happened. Uh, John continues, there were effects of the abuse. As we know, there are effects, profound effects. His life would never be the same. He had to go to many, many different schools. He had to transition. Um, He barely graduated from high school, but he did. Um, His mother was in her third trimester of pregnancy with his brother. While in court, there was a trial trying to convict George Brignac of this crime against John. Brignac was arrested with the help of John and his family and had a bench trial. And unfortunately, Brignac was acquitted for the reasons of conspiring to expose his celibacy, even though there were witnesses. Not convicted, unfortunately, um, Brignac unfortunately managed to get 26 victims after John's abuse. John was the first. We talk about hope and healing within NASCA, and John is an Example of that, um, it's my privilege to have have witnessed John and his work, um, even though, as we know, there are adult manifestations of the extensive damage, both physically and mentally. They can a- arise as CPTSD, um, as they have for John, fibromyalgia, permanent nerve damage, depression, anxiety. He is a fighter. He's been going to doctors uh, to... Uh, continue on his recovery uh, since he was 10 years old but he's used the experience of 45 years as an adult survivor as a survivor to help any and all victims he's a musician on Facebook he plays songs of healing daily he is affiliated with SNAP he's a Louisiana leader with SCSA which he is the co-founder he's a ASCA host and family member he has been featured on Sports Illustrated, the Using New Orleans Magazine, NOLA.com, and the No Advocate newspaper. He's been on YouTube. He's been on the Miss Texas show, as well as local TV and radio stations in New Orleans. Most recently, and I know John will talk about this, he has continued with his heroicism in getting the statute of limitations abolished in Louisiana. He is all about prevention and protecting children. I don't even think I did you justice, John, uh, but without further ado, <laughs> I just want to welcome you, on, and thank you so, thank much, you
1: so much
3: for being with oh, us tonight. Uh,
1: yeah, I'm just so excited to be here. Uh, God, just looking at the people that's already on the panel, my heart is already just like exploding out of my chest right now. You know? <laughs> I just love y'all so much. You know, I can't tell you all what y'all mean to me in my life. Ever since I've known you all, my life has changed so much, you know, and it's I have to give you all the credit for helping me grow. You know, I've known Victoria and you and so many people, and we shared so many, you know, darkest days together and things that, that you don't talk about with other people and, you know, just some things that we need to express with each other. And we grew, you know, and we actually became a wonderful family. And it's been part of my healing to the extent is is the NASA family, I tell you. Love y'all so, so much. And I'm just happy to be here. I really, really am. You know, um, I can't tell you enough to, uh, you know, what I'm about to do is is I'm going to tell you my story. And I want you all to really think about, not so much about me so much, about the situations, okay, because it's really everything in life that's happened to so many other kids also, and justice, not being served, and, you know, situations that come up that we need to really learn about. And, and this is what we do, you know. So uh, I'm just so happy to be here. But I want to begin, you know, by telling you all, you know, the situation, what happened to me when I was very, very young, um, I grew up in a Catholic school system uh, since I was born, okay? Um, I had moved from one parish to another uh, here. You know, we have parishes and not counties, but it wasn't far away. It was only about five miles, you know, uh, to another, you know, location, and, and it was real rich. So I had moved schools, and uh, I was going to St. Christopher. In Matter, Louisiana, that's where I made my first communion <clears throat> you know um, my 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 days in, in at St Christopher were short and sweet, however, you know uh, it's almost like I wish that maybe I had moved you know um when i moved to River Ridge, uh, I had to go to St Matthew, uh, which was not far from my house, and uh I had went there for two years, uh, in, those, in those two years, you know, I'm looking at, at the age of, of 8 to 10, you know, where in, in my eyes, when you're going to school and your life ahead of you, and you don't know this yet, is going to be involved with, with those, those kids, a lot of them, not all of them, but that's your core. Of your your life, you know, especially when you live in an area like we do here. I mean, everybody knows everybody here, kind of thing, you know. So I, I developed a, a really, really good, I'd say, bonding friendship with with a lot of people, you know, in Saint Matthew, and and that was really, really one of the hardest things that happened to me after, you know. And I want to get to that point. Was that I kind of earned my way you know into being you know with that with that really cool group of people you know and and these are friends that just stay together forever well, you know there was a situation that happened while I was there was that one of the classes I was having an issue with uh was was some grammar and just writing you know some some things, and I'm like. Okay, so I'm gonna go to this class okay, that's after school and there's a variety of ages that are in this classroom. And it's upstairs and it's where, you know, the middle schools go and and you know, at the time I'm I'm only in fourth grade. So okay? so I go, you know, to this class after and, and uh the first day was the only day that I was in this classroom at George Brignat didn't bless me, okay? So it's going to be tough for me, guys, you know? I mean, I, I still get very emotional about my abuse. Um, I'm happy to do it because I'm just releasing what's in my soul. You know, I just, I never write stuff down, You know, for any radio show or interview or anything I've ever done, I don't have to and I don't want to, you know. But, man, my life is about to change. I mean, drastically. In that class, there was a variety of people aged probably from about eight to about ten. And there were different grades, of course, like fourth through fifth, sixth, something like that. And they came to, into this classroom to be tutored in something. Well, the guy that ran this class was an ordained deacon by the name of George Brignac. Okay? George Brignac actually had a twin brother that was a priest. Okay? By the name of Horace. And that comes into play. And I'll tell you about that. So don't let me forget about that, if y'all can remember, if i forget to say.
3: No, well, I won't I didn't know he had a twin brother. It's the first time I've heard your story. I didn't realize that. So I'm very interested to know yeah. about that. I'll
1: remind you. Yeah. Yeah, his twin, twin brother was a priest. And uh, and that actually comes into play later on because he actually is guilty of doing some things that contributed to that. You know, nasty ways later. But in that class, you know, the first day was the only day. And why I remember that is because he just did a roll call, basically, you know. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be pretty easy, you know. George Brignac had a reputation of being nasty, mean. he didn't even breathe wrong in his class without him being on top of you. He was nasty to everybody he had a a paddle and a ruler that he carried on his desk every single day, and he used them for examples all the time. So everybody knew that, you know, those two objects were designed to shut you up, and he was one to do it, you know. And, you know, so here comes second day, Take your time. It'd probably be the hardest and the worst day of my life. And I didn't even know that. You know, because it, it, it changed me forever. So you know, we I broke out my work and I wrote down some stuff, you know, and I was in there for about twenty minutes. You know, something like that. And I'm like, you know, I'm not really sure about this, uh, if it's right or not. So I raised my hand, you know, and uh, he looked up and uh, called me up to his desk. I said, well, this is what I've been working on, and I was just wondering if it was right, you know. So he was looking at it, and, and uh He sat there for about 10, 15 seconds looking at it, and he looked up at me, and he said, well, come come over here. So he's talking about coming around to the back of his desk. And I'm like, okay, kind of weird. You know, I thought he was just going to say, hey, you know, just come stand next to me kind of thing, and let's look at this. That wasn't the case. He opened up his legs, he grabbed me by the arm, he pulled me, he put me on his lap. He said, it's okay. In my ear. And I'm like, man, I'm in shock. Okay, I'm like, all right, what's going on? You know? He said, well, let's look at this. You know, so he's wrapped around me. And I'm like, all right, I don't know what's going on. You know, I'm like, I'm freaking out. So, what he does, he wraps his body around, him, he goes down, and he unzips some paints. On the second day, okay, of, of a three-week horror story that is only beginning, that I had no control of, and. When he unzipped my pants, I'll never forget, he, he whispered in my ear, hush, with a sh- And he said, it's okay, it's okay. And then he points up on the desk to his pals right there. So I'm like, that's a threat when you're nine. And now you have a rapist that has you in his hands, okay? Mm -hmm. And I didn't know about it at the time. I had no idea that he was involved in this or was or will be or what is going on. I'm a boy, you know? Well, it only got worse from then. I and mean, this is some of the hardest things that I have to talk about is that every day for the next two weeks and a half, call me up to his desk every single day and sometimes twice a day. Okay? And it mm-hmm. became very noticeable in class. I mean, everybody knew what was going on. Word got out, and now I'm a running joke at school. They all know what's happening to me. This went on for about two or three days where they'd whistle at me in the hallway, you know, doing things with their hands, gestures. I didn't realize what was happening to me, you know. um, I went to a friend of mine and asked, for help, basically. Uh, I said, Penny. I said, George Brignett won't leave me alone. There's a lot of things that's happened to me and I'm scared and I don't know what to do. You know, I'll never forget that feeling, ever. Of knowing what's happened to me And knowing that something's going to happen about it, but I don't know why yet. And this is what I was so scared to do in my life was to tell because of the the, the threats, you know. Uh, He wasn't just mean. He was horrible to people. Girls, too. You know, and then he'd make comments about their legs being open and, you know, with, with, with some Catholic schools, girls, you know, they, they all have a lot of the same uniforms. That's just who he was. He was nasty. And you can get a million dollars at any person you ever talk to about this man. They have the most horrific memories of him, especially what happens later that we don't know about yet. And this is one thing that I have to talk about that's so difficult for me because whenever that day came, it would be the last day that I would be at that school except for one more day, and and I'll explain that. I would say the last time that I would ever be there, so to speak, with just me being a student, okay? Because whenever Timmy told my mom, you know, that day was a Friday. I'll never forget it. And that Friday was the scariest day of my life. Okay, not just for that reason either. I'm going to tell you what else he did to him. He set me up. There was a bathroom. In that hallway where it was faculty only okay and no students were ever allowed in that bathroom at all ever he specifically told me to go in that bathroom after he'd already been abusing me in the class that day for about 20 minutes I mean that's right there in front of other students okay we ha- I have two students and, and they were my friends named Timmy and Matthew getting right to the left of me in two desks. He would use these desks barricade himself in a corner where, you know, if somebody was to look through the door, they wouldn't be able to see him doing this. So he's he's already he's got now, you know, now that I look back at it, he had a plan, you know, and and he knew what he was doing before it ever happened. And that's what really upsets me is that I was too young to know about it or recognize it, you know, or do anything about it. But that day, he told me to go in that bathroom because that was what was going on. You need to understand is that every single time that he abused me in class, I would go to the bathroom after. I'd have to go to the bathroom. So that became you know, kind of like the normal thing, you know. And that day, he told me to go in that bathroom. I said, oh, okay, you know. Went in there, and I got in there for about three, four seconds, and I turned around, he was standing in the door looking right at me, And I just started shaking. I knew something was about to happen. And I knew what was else was going to happen that day was that we were going to tell my mom. I know Timmy said that, you know, today they were going to do it. And they had already seen me be abused like three different days, okay, in a row. Not just, you know, uh, here and there. They were right there. Both of them saw, not to mention other people. Let me tell you what they were doing is that because it became a running joke in school, okay, since it was after school, we'd go to this class, but there were other students that hung around there. And they were putting the garbage cans and turning them upside down, standing on them and, and watching Brignat abuse me in class. That's what they were doing.
3: Oh, my God. My sister,
1: my sister was there watching them do this. She was. She remembers it. She was younger than me, of course. She was like eight. You know, and and she she knew, she still knows about it. She never forgot, and, and that's, that's what happened here. So, you know, when, when that day when, when he had walked into that bathroom behind me, I just, I didn't know what he was going to do to me. Uh, being that I was stuck in that bathroom with him was going to be, you know, the, the end of me that way you know so he did approach me and I started crying really really bad and I just said no you know and I mean hysterically crying I was scared to freaking death and he just turned around and he left he he was he was gonna do everything he could to me I, I don't know I think I got lucky at that moment but it was the scariest moment of my freaking life I mean, I still have nightmares about that day, Um, and the last time that I remember being there was me looking in that mirror in that same bathroom, crying so bad that I was red to the face, I mean, pouring the tears, I couldn't breathe, I was panicking, Uh, uh, you know, I never forget that day, ever. And, of course, my mom came to pick me up, and it it was going to be soon after that, you know. So eventually, about 15 minutes, I went back into class, but I was just, my eyes were just totally gone and everything. And and when my mom came to pick me up, Timmy came to the car, and this is going to be it, you know. This is what it all Mm -hmm. starts, basically. Uh, We got in the car. And Timmy said, "Miss Anderson, I want to tell you something. And after I lost it, I started crying so bad again. You know, I knew it was about to go down, and I was scared to freaking death. And that's all I can say about this, you know. But Timmy told my mom. And, of course, my mom's in shock, calling my dad. Going, you know, everything is, is chaos now. Oh. Uh, well, the, you know, by the next day, well, which would have been a Monday at school, uh, we had Brignette in handcuffs, okay, and then he was arrested, you know. Uh, I was, however, uh, they they pulled me out of my class that I was in and put me in the rectory by myself. Okay, that was another scary situation. You know, I thought, you know, that that it was going to be okay that I did the right thing finally. However, you know, things were not going to be that way with me uh, for so many years to come. And I'll, I'll, I, I, I want to talk a lot about what happened. And, and toward, you know, the the end of this thing with with George Brignat is that there's so much more to what happened to me and what he did to other people and what's happened to the city of New Orleans, the archdiocese, all over, really one monster. However, there's a lot more, you know, there too. But, you know, he was Louisiana's most political greatest. That's what he's classified as. I don't like to say that like a pedestal kind of thing. However... You know, what What really, really, you know, bothers me was that my family took this man to court, okay? They subpoenaed my parents like 10 different times. Uh, my mom was, was going to have my brother in any time now, you know, and she stood in there the whole time fighting these so bitches. Let me tell you right now, you know, they were trying to run us off by doing that. And that's all it ever was. They came to our house a couple of times, wanted us to drop charges. You know, by this time, it was already too late. The DA took it over. And, you know, well, sure enough, I go to trial, okay? And by this time, two years are going by pretty much. And now I'm I'm about 10 years old, right? About a year and a half or whatever. And I'm, I'm sitting on the stand with George Brignac right across from me with about 10 people supporting him, and then there's about 30 other people in there that were who-know-who, okay? They put me on the bench up there on the seat, all right? I'm sitting in there, and I forget It's that he's sitting across from me. Then the bishop walks in, I mean, it's full regalia from head to toe, hat on, robe, you know, all the dressings and all, you know, he walks in and and him and the judge are talking in the back room in his chambers for while I'm on the stand, all right, uh, for about that long. I'm like, you know, finally the lawyer gets up and he, you know, goes in there and he says, hey, what are y'all doing? You know, they're not supposed to be doing that stuff, but I'll never forget that because – You know, I was like, all right, what do I do? I'm just sitting there, you know, and here, you know, Brignat is sitting right freaking across. And all they asked me, not even any details, they just asked me to identify Glory Brignat. And I'm like, that's him right there. And that was it. I'm like, okay, you know. So they pulled me out. Well, Timmy and Matthew. Both go and testify for me, okay? A great friend. Matthew is no longer with us, by the way. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, he he was such a great person at heart. And and both of them were just like, you know, you you have you know nine year old boys here, ten year old boys that are, that are going to go and actually support you in a court to identify this guy that molested you, you know. And like, wow. You know, that's, I I look back at that today and I'm I'm so proud of those guys for doing that for me because I would have done it for them too. That's just who I am. And, but a lot of people would not, you know, but they did. And I do want to ever thank them so much, uh, you know, and I've never got to to do that in my life. But uh, Matthew's gone, though. Uh, But anyway, George Brignett was acquitted okay, Uh, they said that the final ruling was that we were conspiring to expose his celibacy, okay, three kids, but, I mean, what about the other hundred in the community that know what's going on now, you know, and uh, he still got acquitted? Well, he goes on, you know, and to make a very long story shorter so we can talk about a lot of this stuff is that he went on, you know, to uh, abuse God knows truly how many, but I will put it at around 30, uh, you know, maybe a, maybe one or two before me now that I know about, but after me there was a lot uh, that, that that came forward, you know. So that's one thing I'm real proud of now is that, You know, a lot of of his kids, and I'm hoping all of them did, uh, is to come forward uh, against him because he was a monster. You know, he he did so many bad things to people. Um, He ruined so many lives. I I can't tell you enough how he's affected my life. You know, uh, it's just so many things there to talk about is that it's affected me uh, mentally, physically. Uh, it's really destroyed my life for so many years. Uh, I ran from it. I moved away from home for 15 years, okay, and probably one of the most crucial times in a, in a man's life. I moved away from my family and, and the environment that I was living in because I couldn't stay here. You know, it was everywhere I went. I saw people that, that, that were in school with me, And let me tell you something. I lost all of my friends, guys, all of them pretty much at that time because, you know, the people that knew about it, their parents were were telling the kids to stay away from that, you know, it's bad and, you know, this and that. So we we did, you know, it it affected me so bad that way, and it did for years and years. Uh, I wound up going to several different schools, way too many than any person should ever go to. But it's just the way things are here. You know, uh, I went to one school. They, they, my friends that I knew there totally turned their back on me. I, I was just, now I'm a misfit. Uh, you know, I feel socially rejected. Now I'm embarrassed as I grow older to really realize what had happened to me. You know, it really took me a while, to grow into, uh, I'd say a very young man to realize the extent of the damage that this man caused, you know, on me. And, uh, and and affected so many other lives, you know, too. And it's, it's, it's just a thing that I can't, you know, even tell y'all enough about is that as life went on, you know, I, I thought the man was dead or somebody had killed him or I was going to kill him, okay? And let me tell you something. I've been in some bad places, guys. I've, I, I've, I've been in that suicide train before. And it wasn't gonna be that. I was gonna take him out and I was gonna do it myself. And that that was the plan for years. I actually attempted to even do it, you know, a couple of times and, and of course, you know, nothing. But however, the thought was there many a times. So after I found out for years went by that Brignat was still alive and he was still involved with that uh, just everything blew up, you know. Um, I, I had to come forward. Uh, my friend, you know, Steve uh, McAvoy, he's, he's uh, with us probably. He, he he came forward. You know, it, it's it's just been that way for the past you know five years. Is that we finally grew up time together, where we can you know start making a difference uh, in in the world, not so much as New Orleans itself, you know.
3: Yeah, and John, perfect time, if you don't mind, for me to yeah. break to the um, yes, we're Yes, please. Gears right now, but I wanted to, you know, first of all, it it takes some serious courage to tell your story. I know you've told it before, but mm-hmm. each and every time we tell our story, you know, we walk back in those shoes of, of, of that time. And You re Mm experience those events, and um, it's a gift to sacrifice, to tell your story, but it's a big part of prevention um, Mm -hmm. and healing when we tell our story, and so I really want to acknowledge that um, and and show my gratitude on behalf of uh, NASCA that you are here tonight. um, Thank you telling us your story. And there are so many things um, just from what you've shared that are educational and really do also fall under, you know, the NASA's mission of also prevention. Because mm-hmm. as you explained really well as you painted the picture of um, how the inception of the sexual abuse, um, uh, you know, began. Um, you really describe the grooming process, um, and oh, I gosh. think that's really important um, in terms of prevention and education. Is is to talk about the grooming process because it's so um, can be subtle and it can be overt, um, but to know what grooming actually is and the the purpose, um, the intent of grooming and um, the past is, I think, really an important part of education mm-hmm. prevention, and you did that, and I want to say thank you for that. And um, in describing that and the events leading up to, very quickly, um, what happened to you um, in that first uh, physical interaction um, One of the things that we can say is that when it comes to childhood sexual abuse, within the sexual abuse are so many different forms of maltreatment. It's not only the sexual, it's only the physical, it's emotional, and uh, it's the emotional abuse and the mental abuse. That was all present within the sexual abuse. Um, that was perpetrated by Brignac. Um, And so you you describe that and it it goes beyond just the physical. And I I think that people, you know, that's an educate. You're educating um, others um, because in order to heal, we need to realize, you know, what we need to heal. And it's so multifaceted. Um, and so your your testimony really um, you really laid it all out there, and and it's it, it, it's hard as it was, yeah, it was for a, it you to it oh, too. And as difficult as it is to hear it, it's it's just I mean, my heart just bleeds. You know, I'm just bleeding. Um, uh, I, I you know that that's also so helpful for for people to recognize and realize. Um, the extent and the different forms of maltreatment that are involved. Not only for you, which is not to be minimized, but those that witness your sister to meet your friends, um they are also that is also an injury, um, a very deep wound. Uh so I'm going to um, go to the panel. And you do have, we have our Victoria Kelly and also Steve, who's called in in support of you. Okay. And I don't know if that's the Steve you mentioned, but um, we have be. Steve on, yeah. As, yeah, on as well. So I'm actually, um, Victoria, forgive me, I'm actually going to invite Steve on. I'm going to unmute your mic, Steve. Um, and I know that there's some, um, maybe some issues with um, Getting the sound through for you to hear, John. But Steve, you're on with John, and I just wanted to, to give you the opportunity to ask him a question or pose a comment on what John shared with us so far. So thank you
1: for being on. Hey,
2: brother. Brother, I'm be with you. Hello,
1: Steve. Can you hear me, thank John? Thank you for calling. I can. Yes, thank you for calling in.
2: Uh, look, man, your stories resonate so deep because we we're both with the same rapist. And, uh, yes, I am Steve McAvoy, and I'm not afraid of my name anymore. Uh, And if you ever look up my articles, uh, I I have, we all have a name, and I'm not afraid of my name anymore. You know, and uh, it's, uh, you know, I have witnesses now that have come forward from school that have testified before my attorneys and given depositions of me being sexually assaulted in class. Yep. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, it was the same year, but we were different ages. Yep. Uh, John was in class with my sister. I was, uh... at a higher grade level but uh... it didn't matter he went after everybody and uh... it's a terrible experience uh... it affects your entire life uh... it still affects my life today um... you know and we do everything we can Uh, to make people aware it's okay to come out and talk about it because Mm -hmm. if you cover it up, it only gets worse. Uh, You know, just be, just be, you know, open and honest and say, this was what happened with me. And, I had to tell my employer this when I put myself into uh, suicide counseling in 2019 uh, because I I committed myself, and it's not easy.
1: No, Mm -mm. these are the times that we went through. We went through together. You know, we were both going through these. Same exact hard times together. And we have a lot to talk about because, you know, look what happened with us with the Saints. You know, for y'all that don't know, um, the story behind that, if I can, Steve, real quick, is just to inform that the New Orleans Saints got involved, okay, with the Archdiocese in handling a lot of our cases as as far as emails were being sent back and forth about the way to handle uh, situations involving us. And, you know, we were just simply dumbfounded at the fact that the New Orleans Saints were actually going to get involved. However, what you don't know is that Gail Benson and the uh, Archbishop Amon are really good friends. I mean, really good friends, and she owns the teams. You know?
2: Well, John, the whole issue with that whole situation is, is that uh, the uh, judge is handling this case, the spouse, is a uh, R. uh fundraiser.
1: Uh, yeah, on and the
2: didn't so, yeah. 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 did not recuse That's themselves. Yeah, yep. Did not right. recuse themselves, and now they've now they've taken all the documents and put them, in, you know, under cover, so that we yeah. we can't even find out anything.
1: Yeah. And for those of y'all that don't know this, also is that the New Orleans uh, Archdiocese is trying to go into bankruptcy down here. Okay. And with that being said, you know, the extent of damage that this one man did, you know, is is so horrendous that, that literally by himself literally could have I know there's others involved but he's the majority. Put an organization that's so huge into a situation like that. That's how bad this situation is down here. All they want to do is conceal documents from us. They never want to expose any information, but they want everything to know about you, you know. So expect that. If any of you all ever get involved with something like this, is that you can expect to give your heart, your soul, to every piece of information that you know of. However, let me tell you something, is that they're not going to give you nothing. Okay, at all. So take that to the bank. That's all I have to say about that. However, I do want to say this one thing before, and I'll let you talk, Steve, is that I know that the Archdiocese down in New Orleans has made some changes to the situation, okay, only because we practically made them do it. And that involves no more self-policing, right? Educating the students at a very young age, and and I was involved with this, I was the one that talked to the head of the school board and that's Sister Mary here and discussed of her going in and bringing in, you know, some people to educate the kids. And it has to be done because without it, it gets overlooked and damage is done way too fast and too much. So there's a lot more, you know, they are trying to do some things, but, you know, it's taken so long, Steve, and you know this too, all of you know this, is that you have to really fight for the right thing here and make it happen. Because it's not going to happen unless you make it happen. They're not going to give in to anything. I'm not just talking about the Archdiocese. I'm talking about any organization, so it takes a team of people, and that means people coming forward, right? Even if you're 60 years old, 50, 40, usually the average age is around 52, guys. You know, uh, I I have been working with so many people over the past five years, And i tell you what really scares me, and I've said this before, is that I'm really worried about the younger generation because they have not experienced what I would call the level of PTSD, anxiety, depression, setting in until they reach a certain age. It takes a long time for that to happen. And that's usually... You know what it takes for them to come forward, finally, however, a lot of people have families, they have kids that are growing up in schools so, you know where they may have been abused, but their kids are still there, and they don't want to interrupt their family tradition, the embarrassment the you know however, times have changed and 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 that's what the movement has been you know over the past since two thousand and seventeen really uh, you know, and and I've talked about this so many times, Penelope, on the show, is that NASCA provides, you know, the perfect platform for anyone and everyone uh, to come forward to tell us stories, educate the public, you know, and and the, and the fact that there's so many levels here uh, of offering, you know, hope and healing for you, is that it's all about the people that you know and, and, and the people that you can bond with. Let me tell you something. These past five years I have met so many beautiful people through NASCA through other organizations, you know, and let me tell you something. Those people need us and we need them. You know, that's the only way that I ever came out of some of my darkest times is is with other survivors, you know. And that's the way my life is. It's just I need people like, you know, us that have been through this together and we've talked about it together. We've, we've fought about, you know, uh, legal issues and, and standing up for children's rights and and educating the public together. That's what's so beautiful about it, you know. And I'm so proud to be a part of it, though, with all of you all here on the panel tonight, really, uh and, and, and. You know with Steve, uh I love you like a brother man, you know that, and we'll be with each other till the end
2: uh, John, you know I'll always be here what i what I did want to you know say is you know to that people understand um there's uh you know one of the attorneys from uh the Catholic. Uh that offered me a nuisance fee to walk away. And now she's a judge. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you know who that is?
1: That's Wendy.
2: That's Wendy Vitter.
1: She knows. She knows a lot. No offered me
2: a nuisance.
1: Course. That's that's crazy.
3: But
2: and but sadly, I walked away from the table. Sadly
3: believable.
2: Oh no! It's What'd not say, sadly believable. It's believable. Yeah, exactly. It's totally. It's
1: just, this is why we got you. know to Yeah. You know what's sad about that? So much is let me let me tell you what he's talking about is that these nuisance fees and even if they do um, a mediation type deal, it's so sad because all it is is them writing you off on an insurance policy. Okay, you know that's all it is. It's like paperwork. You know, oh, you know, now we're going to file this claim, but there's an insurance company behind it you know, out of New York, and they're going to, you know, it's going to be up $25,000, but it could be 100000 for the payoff. However, it makes you feel like a piece of crap. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're getting written off on an insurance claim like I in an trying, accident, you know?
2: I was throwing a ditch again. Oh yeah, I was thrown away again. Yeah, that's uh, that's the way it felt. I was thrown away again. Nobody yeah, mm-hmm.
1: cared. Exactly.
2: Yeah.
1: Just another number and another head and another. You know, let me just write y'all a little check and we'll see you later. You know, it's really sad because let me tell you, a lot of people need help when it comes to this abuse long term. Okay. Um, it 's not about writing a check so much is that yes, I believe that people that are credible you know uh survivors and victims you know need to be compensated for what happened however there 's a lot of damage that's been done to them from that, okay is that you know why should victims pay for being sexual abuse, which causes mental abuse, which causes physical abuse, which causes emotional abuse. You know, let's just keep on going down the road here, you know.
2: John, real quick. Yeah. Just so everybody knows, my last suicide attempt in 2019 was $22,000 in therapy.
1: Yeah. You know, just imagine And that's
2: what right seen. after I went through my member recall.
1: Mm-hmm. You know Just, just imagine what so, I also see And that's just a great example A great example of what happens To so many survivors That need to go to doctors And actually have situations happen exactly. to them Exactly Like this Over and over I mean, it'll happen several times. Some people I've seen do it a lot. Some I've seen one or two times a year. You know, there's different levels of that, of how deep it really, really gets to them. However, does it really, really go away, you know? I mean, that's one of the things I've always been wondering about, is that how bad has the brain been damaged by being abused? Okay, you know, there's got to be so many things involved with that because if you are, and it is, let me tell you something, you're going to know about it because it will affect everything to do with your uh, neurological system, you know, the way that you live your life because it affects you so many ways because physical issues come into play. I'm talking to the point where, you know, uh, I was a professional athlete, but I'm walking with a cane when I'm 47, and have, I got a spinal stimulator in my body now. Okay? I've got permanent nerve damage up and down my back, killing me all the time. You know, it's like all the time, my back of my head, hurting, so and, and spinal issues, you know, and uh, and you can't tell me. As a survivor That that abuse had nothing to do with that Look Let me tell you something It had everything to do with it Everything Because what happens to you Is that What's that
2: Real quick If everybody else is listening Make sure that everybody's aware This is one of the worst times of the year For us For at least me Not all of us, but for me, Mm -hmm. I hate the holidays.
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
2: Because I missed the holidays.
1: Yeah, that's so true, Steve. So I know.
2: Please ask for help if you're. You know. You know, reach out right now.
1: The holidays are are very difficult. you know, as what happens to you as as when you get abused as a child, and you know your life is altered, and we, you know there's always so many things that happen to us, and I'm just going to put us all in this: is that we have a hard life, you know, uh, because of what happened to us in the in the in the holidays, because of who was involved. What it was about are always tough, man. You know, I've always had issues with Thanksgiving and Christmas back, you know. Let me tell you, when you're living, you know, a thousand miles away from your family because you ran from this MS that messed you up, you know, for 15 years because of what happened, you know, that's hard on you, man. Knowing that your family's having Christmas and Thanksgiving down there and and you can't be there right now, you know because of what happened to you you know that's that's bad
3: well thank you know Steve thank you for you know making those comments, especially around the holidays because um, there are a lot of of triggers, I guess is the word I Yeah, that's what they are. Oh, no. That that arise. It's terrible. Yeah. And I think we need to talk about this. We should talk about it.
2: Oh, no. I think this is one of the hardest times of the year for a lot Mm -hmm. of people. And a lot of people don't realize that. Uh, And it's not just for uh, you know, sexual abuse victims, it's for a lot of people that this mm-hmm. is a, a depressing time of the year. And right. uh we need to, you know, we need to make that awareness to everybody. Uh, this is one of the highest suicide times of the year.
1: Yep. Yeah, we might as well just talk about you know, it, because it is. Yeah, that's exactly right, Steve. And that that's what I want to you know? say is that we all been there. I don't know, you know, on the panel. I'm not saying you all, but let me tell you something. Steve had had said it. I definitely have been there, and let me tell you something. I don't know of too many survivors, literally, that haven't been there to a certain degree. You know, I mean, it. it, it we got to talk about it. You know, and my, you know, issue with people not coming forward is that during, during the holidays is that the, they, they become clammed up. I used to be that way. And can y'all relate with me on this is that when the holidays came, yeah. it, it was like, you were so irritated about what happened to you is that you didn't know what to do kind of thing. You were confused, but you weren't going to do it. You've already made up your mind, you know, and now you regret making that decision. It's like your mind is all over the place about it. You're always hurting, you know. You you, uh, you hurt yourself in the long run when it came down to it. But the bottom line is, you were running from the abuse the whole time.
2: Yeah.
3: So you know what I'm going to do. We still have we have Victoria and Darlene. Our sister Darlene has okay. called in. What I'm going to do is, is, I know Steve, you, you and Steve are still on. I'm just going to unmute their lines and invite them, if yeah, we can absolutely. just make this more conversational, because A-
1: absolutely, uh, yeah, yeah, let's do an open mic. I think,
3: yeah, I think we're going to open mic. If you're okay, great. So Darlene, I've opened your mic, and and Victoria, I've opened your mic, and so, you know, welcoming you into the conversation, and um, and because I, I know thank you that everything that Hello, you're, you're talking. Hello, Victoria.
2: Hello, Darlene.
3: Hey. Hey, hello. John, uh,
2: this is hello,
1: everybody. Hi, Steve. Hello,
3: Victoria.
4: And uh, can
0: you hear me?
1: Yes.
4: Yes. Oh, I heard.
0: Yes. And I just want to say, you know, a lot of people say um, those are horrible. That was a horrible experience, but I would say those are horrible experiences, you know. Um, each moment is... is the, you know what? What we've survived, and uh, just the fact that uh, NASCA is here for us is, is totally, as far as I'm yeah. concerned, a miracle. <laughs> yeah. You know, Absolutely. and um, yeah. yeah, as far as uh, um, you know, missing. I have such a hard time on holidays. I I usually end up in the psych ward, uh, suicidal, mm-hmm. and I talk to people about. They don't even call it committed suicide anymore. They call it died of suicide you know and i spoke at the other day. we have three people that died of suicide recently and people were talking about it and i said i want to tell you that i've been there so many times mm-hmm. I and, and i said and there were a lot of people in the room and i said you guys don't even know fingers and toes to know how many times you know I felt you know Victoria, way. That's, that's why said, but the I thing think- is is i've got help i said it's the hardest thing to do to say i'm in this place i'm in this Dark pit hole, and I do not want to die. There's this little bit of spark of hope that maybe things could be better, and and that's the point where you need to reach out and get help because it is there. And Naska is where I found it. I was not talking about my child abuse because I was. I was raised my father told me 21 when I escaped from him. We don't call it living our abuse. We call it escape from our abuse. You know, it's our language is changing. And we need to have these conversations. And that's why I was that's really, right. really listening and, and really glad that the both of you shared, you know, because it's not changing the, the organizations and institutions, whatever, but get to the individuals. And I would say one person at a time, and that's usually how it works, I think.
1: It's just that connection. You know, Victoria, like John, I just, who, I I didn't just know. want to say, Victoria, that you are, yeah. to me, the absolute perfect, what I would say perfect, perfect example of what life should be after what you went through and where you are today, girl. I am so proud to know you. You know, let me tell you well, something. You you make my day. Every time you send me something brother. happens. you know, uh, I love you so much, and you know that. But the, you are, to me, a, a guiding light and a, a great role model, you know, for the, this organization and in, mm-hmm. in for life and in, in society, period. And that goes around mm-hmm. the world. You know, you, yeah, you know that.
0: But, you know, the holidays, too, you know, I, I have to go through a point of literally more in my childhood, the childhood I never got to out. You know, all the things that I never got to do because, uh, like you said, the flashbacks, the flashback the body memories, the, the pain I suffer today, you know, and I could be laying in bed with the pain that I suffer today in all the physical elements I have, but you know what? I push through it because I can yep. either be laying in bed in pain or I can be up doing what I feel I need to do and yeah. yeah, each one of us, you know, if we don't, if we don't make a difference, nobody's going to, nobody else is going to, you know, um, it, it's not important to a lot of people. And not everybody has to, you know, go out and talk or go out and this and that. But, you know, sometimes you just go into a store and you see a little kid that makes me sad, whatever, and just smile at them. You know, it may yeah. be the only smell they've gotten for who knows how long. That's
1: right. That's right. You know,
0: or a person that's on the street that looks down the depressed, and just say, "Hi, how you doing?" You know, they might not acknowledge like, for for years. here, they just look away from them. They don't want to, you know, like even make contact. And, and you would not. <laughs> cause I've been homeless, you know, so many times in my life. And when yeah. I had the opportunity to get a house, you know, um, <laughs> and and stability, I can't tell you how many times I was going to grab my service dog, put him under one arm, my suitcase in the other. Up down the road, because I know how to do that. <laughs> I know how to do yep. You know, that's insanity to me. Just <laughs> 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 like a negative word. word. You know, and as far as the it's brain death, we, you know, the, about
2: it.
0: yeah, right, well, you got it sometimes, you're going to cry. And, you know, so as far as brain damage, you know, I kept go to the psych ward and talking about the abuse and trying to work through it, trying to work through it. So, you know, they had a, they had a cure for that. It gave me shock treatments, <laughs> you know. <laughs> she just talked about this. She just shocked the shit out of her brain. The problem with my treatment is, it takes what it once. It doesn't just take bad memories. Not only that, it took took away things that I needed to remember because I needed to be afraid of some people. Those memories mm-hmm. were gone, you know. And, and my kids right. will bring us up stuff that when they were little, and they'll say, "Mom, remember this? Remember that?" And I'll no, and I almost start crying, and so they stop bringing stuff up because they know how painful it is
3: that mm-hmm. I can't
0: remember. And I have short-term and long-term memory because of the shock treatments, and I still suffer
1: to this day because of it. And it's, it's yeah. not getting better, you know? Hmm. Yeah, well, Victoria, I, I just want to tell you, different. I want to thank you so much for being here tonight. I, I miss you, and... And thank you. When I saw you, I saw you were going to be co-hosting tonight. I'm like, oh yeah. And uh, Penelope yeah. too. Uh, well, I, I saw love your you name both too. So yeah. I saw your name when I got. Yeah. I'm so glad that I'm going to be in, you know
0: with you as a special guest. I'm just going to let the this is a great conversation. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we need to keep up the conversation. And yeah. so I invite
2: everybody that's on Victoria? here to
0: coming back on these shows. Uh huh.
2: Yep. Victoria, Steve. I yep. want to let you know what it's what it's like, and I, I do understand. I lost all my short-term memory after a major stroke in 2017.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, I will not remember this conversation tonight.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. uh,
2: until until maybe weeks yeah. or months. right? Uh, because it has to process.
0: Yep. Yep. So, well, you've yeah, a
2: lot of words.
1: I,
0: I want to let you know. Um, I dealt with strokes, ask you, too. Well, yes. Darla, I see Darlene's yeah. on, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Darlene. We don't have much time, left. I want to make sure you get into it. I'm
2: listening.
4: Yes, I dealt with strokes, too, so I know what you're talking about there. And recently I oh, was hey, asked by... terrible.
2: Eight.
4: Yes, and it still is, you know, because I still have... Um, repercussions from all that so it's aggravating and frustrating and you can't even say it because it still affects my walking my movements and everything else you know it's gonna if i got residual effects it's not gonna go away but uh, recently a private message yeah
2: a private message and uh, we can talk
4: yeah Mm -hmm. you know uh darlene j clark that's me
2: Yes, I know. Yeah. And, and I'm Steve and, McAvoy.
4: Yes, I remember. That's why I said one-hands. <laughs> and um, yeah. recently, I wanted to let people know the three-digit uh, number is 988, you know, for emergency uh, suicide or emergency mental health I was, um, issues. So had to, I
0: have to correct you on that, because I've had people call try to call for two weeks. That number ain't working. Call your local crisis line. They did not know they were going to have as many respondents with mental health crisis. And so, if you can't uh, get through, try that. But if you can't get through, please call your local crisis center. You can always call 911. Do not be afraid to call 911. Um, there are more trained 911 um, people than there ever was before. They are getting trained. Um, and if mm-hmm. you can't get help, one place, don't stop. Just like you know, if you tell somebody. And they, you know, don't treat you right, whatever. Keep telling until you find somebody. And NASC is a place to find people. But I just want to put it's that in because right. I have yeah, a friend right. that came that exactly number. Right. Somebody tried to call three different times. And she kept calling my friend back saying, I can't get through, I can't get through. And now my girlfriend said this gal, she, she's been trying to call her for the last three weeks and can't get a hold of her and she don't know what happened to her. So I just want to tell you guys that. The 98 year number is, might not be worth it. and, you know, it's one
1: that's
4: great Okay? Could, could I say so, something I, else, too? Yeah. Yeah. I wanna, yeah, yeah.
1: How are
4: you yeah. been doing, Darlene? Oh, I've got bronchitis right now, so I'm kind of rough, but I'm okay. But uh, yeah. recently I had a – talking about suicide, right? Recently I had a friend yeah. who knows me today, Right. They didn't know me back then when I first started uncovering the memories and stuff, right? Back when I was um, very suicidal, you know, I felt like that was the only answer. My best way was, you know, I was even a party to my kids, everything, you know, like they'd be better off without me and such and such. I, I really thought those thoughts because yeah. it was just crazy. I was having, dealing trouble dealing with a lot of the things that was going on from the sex abuse, from the murders and everything else that went on in my life, you know. And, you know, I really thought my kids were best. And somebody asked me recently and said, "Uh, I don't think you ever been suicidal or depressed and I said, Oh, you you got that wrong.
1: (laughs) You got that very wrong. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you got that wrong You know, you, to me, are an angel because of what you've done for people. I don't know if y'all realize this, but not only has Darlene, you know, been through thick and thin with knowing, you know, all the people that we've been affiliated with over the years, our stories, but she's been running support, you know, and doing her radio shows for people. You know, Darlene, let me tell you something. Without you... So many people's lives are, are, you know, would have been affected in negative ways because oh, you are well. a, a true link between so many individuals that I've ever known. And we know so many people together. You know this. We've been together for a very long time. And yes, let me tell you something. You and Penelope have been there. Uh, I know, you know, Dr. Nancy's been around, a lot of you. And please. And Victoria, too. You know, keep doing what y'all are doing. Uh, I, I'm, I'm simply taking a small break in my life right now trying to get physically back. I just had surgery, guys. I have four cuts in my body right now. And I want to talk about this, is that, you know, being affected by child you know, sex abuse can stem off and destroy you physically and mentally. And emotionally In so many ways You know And and this is A prime example Of what I'm going through In my life These days You know uh, I'm always going to be here For people I've I've worked so hard Over the past five years Full time Literally Full time work You know this Darlene and Penelope All of you Uh Know It is a full time job Because We're helping people We're saving lives but when you get involved so heavily with people, I just want to offer some advice is that sometimes you need to step back a little bit and, and, and you know, take some time for yourself to regenerate, recuperate, because Steve and I have a lot of work that we're going to be doing shortly. <laughs> it's coming. Because when this bankruptcy yeah. is over in New Orleans, let me tell you something, it's going to hit the fan. I'm going to be so involved, but I've got to save, you know, my my educational experiences that I've been growing with with NASCA and SNAP and, and SESA and everything I've been involved with over the years to help, you know, make sure that not only are our kids protected, but that these survivors have support and they have people that they can turn to. And this is the, what what NASCAR does so well. It brings people together where we can provide that information for people, especially during these hard times and holidays like we talked about, you know. Yeah. And, and Penelope also brought it up, the triggers, okay. We have to recognize, you know, these triggers and, and how to treat, you know, these triggers that have been affecting you or someone that you know to work through these and, and, and how to respond to them. Because th- this is the things that set you off, you know, to that direction. So it takes experienced people, too, in, in, in my John, opinion.
0: John, I, ma- I want to just um, um, magnify what you said about taking care of ourselves. Um, a lot of times um, we're really good at helping other people and taking care of other people, recognizing they need help. But you know we've got to take care of ourselves, or we can't help anybody else. You know I put yeah. my kids in foster care. I had to I had to heal and I had to take care of myself, and I put my kids in a place. You know, so sometimes we just need to say, you know, I'm just not in a place right now. Call so and so, or you know, there's a whole bunch of people on the Ask website. There's our phone numbers on there and everything else. We also have to mm-hmm. remember to reach out for help. Not everybody. Can help us at that particular moment. Like I said before, don't stop reaching out because there are those of us that are there. The, mm-hmm. You know, and there are some times where I I've got to say, you know, I got to take care of myself, or I just got to take a break. You know, and sometimes you just yeah. don't take a break remember to break because I didn't realize how much that held my breath. When we're scared, yeah. we hold our breath. When we're you know yeah. overwhelmed, we hold our breath, and just to remind myself to breathe and you wouldn't even think that would be like a difficult thing to go oh wait a minute I'm not breathing <laughs> you know like I'm doing mm-hmm. right now I'm just jabbering and not breathing as well you know yeah. and, and so I just it, want to put in there we got to learn to take care of ourselves and that is something that is a learned behavior it's not something yeah. we were taught at least I wasn't
1: no that's true I want to it thank is. you John I think, yeah Oh, thank you.
4: I want to thank you so much for, you know, all them years, you know, even though you've been in a lot of pain and stuff, you still stuck with it and you still strove on, you know, even against your health issues, you know, when they're so mm-hmm. bad. I'm so glad that you got to have surgery recently. That was a blessing. And uh, I've been seeing this commercial on TV and this guy's running across the side of the bridge jogging. And I can't say to myself, there goes John running. There he
2: goes.
1: (laughs) Well, let me tell you, I am feeling so much better right now. And this is a part of my healing process. You know, It, it is because let me tell you something. Whenever you are in physical pain. And I know all of us here, including Penelope, big time. Is that when you are affected by abuse, you know it, the the pain factor hits you in other areas than it would normal other people, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, right. not only are you getting affected through the brain, neurological issues, it, it's intense. You know, it, it's no it, no other yep. pain. You know, can be related to it uh, if you were, and you all know this. You know, so it causes extensive damage, you know, to the uh, to the uh, neurological, you know, central system.
4: And plus, I got a question okay. for you also because a lot of guys who I interviewed also had brought this up, and mm-hmm. they says at first when they started uh, overcoming. And remember this type of stuff? They started yeah. questioning their own sexuality because of this being done mm-hmm. to
1: themselves. Yep. Yeah. You know, that's a good point, Darlene, is that I do know several that have gone in different ways because of it. Uh, you know, what I could say in my situation is that I think because I came forward is that I knew that it was wrong. And I did not want to be that, you know, um, so to speak. I mean, I know that several people that have been abused have and, and and are gay, and I just you know, and I think that it has a huge part in what happened to them at an early age. You know, think about it. It's just a, a route that happened. Um, and it, it they only knew it naturally so to speak, because they were so young, you know. And I think it just it it's it stemmed on from there. So I'm I, well, I, see when, it all I the time. when I
0: got married to a woman everybody said, Oh, it's because you were abused by men and I said No. I said I was abused by men and women. You know? And
1: mm-hmm. yeah, and that's what I tell
0: them. Just, too. <laughs> you know, who who I am. Um, you know, I am I identify as, as bisexual, and I, I don't hate men. I don't hate either men or women, but I can't help who I fall in love with, you know. And yeah. and it doesn't, I talk to a lot of survivors that are gay and lesbian, and they say, I don't understand why people say it's because of my abuse. You know, mm-hmm. I can, there's a lot of women that are lesbians that were abused by
4: Witness that are still.
0: I just had to say <laughs> that in it, it, You know what I mean? It 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 can go. It can just you know. I just believe it's who the person is, and we need to just accept people as they are. Just like I want people to accept me as I am, you know. And I've wanted to yeah. all my mm. life. I agree. And nobody has ever accepted me That's, my whole
2: family right. life
0: until. I stood not, up and said, "I'm taking this no more, and I don't give a shit what anybody thinks about me, I'm gonna be who I am. I'm gonna be who I am, and I'm not gonna say that Well, your name's Victoria, Victoria's Secret. I said, "No, Victoria's not a secret." Uh-huh. Victoria was like, "Anything, it's so Victoria, will tell you everything, even stuff you don't want to know." <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well,
4: okay, so, you know, one thing I. I- One thing I really hate about, you know, like the dating world, because y'all know I'm single, whatever, right? And I'm not trying to find a date or nothing, okay? Y'all people that might want to try to contact, no, okay? But the thing about it is I get so aggravated that guys blame me because I've got morals and respect, and I choose who I want to make love to or have sex with or have a relationship with. Instead, they're saying, oh, it's all because you've been abused. No, get off that crappy thing. You're not a doctor to say that kind of crap. You need to quit trying to diagnose and do your own thing. No, it's personal choice and respect for my body that I never had a choice when I was younger. And now I've got a yep. choice, and because I don't want to do what yep. you say, which is basically trying to keep me in the aspect of being a victim, and trying to still say, "Well, you're an adult, so you should not want to do the porno stuff I'm sending you, or mm. whatever." I'm like, bullcrap crap, respect."
0: Yeah, I'm sorry, I get when I, I get a little. When I <laughs> a teen, it,
4: so, so yeah, when I so was a teenager, <laughs> I would
0: get guys to say, "I get guys to we 'We've oh, had sex, or having you.'" So why won't you have sex with me? You know, and, and it was like, I didn't freaking have an answer. And today I have an answer. Because I want <laughs> okay, so, to.
4: Interject. This,
3: is, this is good stuff. This is yeah, such go good ahead. stuff. I, yeah. I don't mean to interject, but we have three minutes left. And I want to give John the last few minutes because I know that there are things you wanted to cover and I'm not sure if you can cover them in three minutes, but I really want to
1: <laughs> no. the opportunity to yeah. so. go. Yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to say that this has been a really great night. And I want to thank y'all for being on the show with me because I think we really, we, we had a good time tonight talking about what we stand for. And we all, we all speak from the heart, you know, and this is who we are. And I think it's a family that has grown into a very special thing that we know each other and, and the accomplishments that we have done over, say, the past five years are incredible. And everyone that's listening out there, too, is that, you know, you, you can take a lot from my story. Uh, you know, the, the, the lack of justice at the end, the lack of care of a child, you know who got taken care of here? The story was it John, or did George Brignac, you know, live a, a wonderful life and never served a day in prison, even though he was convicted finally in 2019? But he died, in the, in just in the hospital, so he never served any time. You know, but all those years, you know, you think about a pedophile sitting in his easy chair while the kids suffer. This is what we're about, to change that forever. Stop the abuse, get justice, and to make sure that we educate everyone by telling your story, coming forward, reaching out, you know, and knowing that you're not alone, number one. I mean, you know, there's a lot of good people out here. And if you can ever take anything from really any show from NASCA, this show, which you could take from it, is that there's a lot of good people here with NASCAR and a lot of good people that are affiliated all around the world, you know that, that can help you if you're out there listening and, and you want to come forward. Are you been thinking about you know uh, it, or you know somebody? You know, I mean, if you, see, if you see something, say something, you know, um, that, that's what it should be. And I'm, I'm going to leave that to the end because I know who's hosting. <laughs> so that's her, her thing. But it's true. You know, is that we, we are here for a reason. Is that we have lived it. We have been through so much. The experience is the key. Is that we know how to handle most any situation, you know, because we've been through it and we host so many people here at NASCA that have stories that will blow your mind. Where what it's about? It's about education, you know, and knowing about that story. So we can help other people about, you know, trafficking and foster care. But it all comes down to protecting our children, okay? And that I'll always do until they uh, die. And
3: that's a fact. You have so much integrity, John. And honestly, I window know the show's over, but I think we need to do a part two because I think we got about halfway through what you wanted to yeah. cover.
1: I think we need There's to do part so two. Much. There's, so, There's much so much out there still. Yeah.
2: I want a part two.
3: <laughs> so with that, oh, yeah, we'll I'll be after show's,
2: Yeah, after the show's over.
3: So it's I want to, you know, thank thank uh, John Anderson, our special guest tonight, NASA family member, uh, talk show, uh, NASA talk show host. I want to thank you, John. We're for looking forward to part two. No pressure. Um, my co-host Victoria Kelly, Steve McAvoy, Darlene Clark. Thank you so much for being on the show this evening. And John's right, as I always say when I close out the show, there are enough adult eyes and ears in this world to keep every one of our children safe. If you see something, if you hear something, say something, do something. It's our more responsibility to take action. So thank you all. It's been a privilege, and good night.
1: Good night, everybody. I love you all so much.
0: Thank you all. that Talk gone... You all that you done I